Amen. Amen. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're continuing on in this summer series on the Ten Commandments. Too often we think of them as just a bunch of do's and don'ts, dictates, orders, instructions that if we don't follow, we're punished, and that if we look at it that way, we miss the point. God doesn't describe himself as a dictator, but we learn in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. Everything he does is out of love, even his commands and his instructions. They're guidelines to us as a loving heavenly father to his children. They're for our good. And so today we're taking a look at the fourth commandment, and it's called Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <clears throat> I know we mentioned Rodney Dangerfield at the beginning of the service, but I think we also need to get this out of the way. My audio on? Okay, can you play that sound? All right, that'll wake you up. And if you're new with the church, that might make you leave. I don't know. Uh, but just a, a little reminder, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. We talk about, in this fourth commandment, we talk about honoring, and respect is kind of a uh, derivative, if you will, of that. So let's take a look at the fourth commandment as it is in Exodus chapter 20. If you would read this out loud together with me. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So the word honor, um, sometimes it's you know, understood as its synonym respect. Whether you call it honor or respect, this commandment can be a challenge because we live in a world of broken people, sometimes even our parents. And I realize that maybe you're here today and Maybe you didn't have the greatest parents and this commandment frustrates you. Or maybe you weren't the greatest son or daughter and this commandment makes you feel a little guilty. It can be a heavy commandment. And in fact, the Hebrew behind that word for honor your father and mother is the Hebrew word um, transliterated in English, kaved, heavy. The idea is that our parents God wants us to treat our parents like they are a heavy or a weighty thing. So, Mother's Day, Father's Day, not just a hallmark holiday, it's actually a way of passing on to the, to the next generation and reminding ourselves of how significant our mothers and our fathers are. And, of course, not just on Mother's Day and Father's Day. We are to view our parents with weighty consideration. That's one way to wrap our heads around what it means to honor them. But honor itself is a many-faceted concept. So let me give you today three fast facts, if you will, about this commandment and this concept of honoring. The first is, when we talk about honoring our father and mother, it doesn't always mean agreeing with them. Um, and I think this is particularly meaningful to us today because we live in a society that's become rather chaotic and uh, vocally abrasive. And the minute that somebody disagrees with us, they seem to think that that is a reason that they can be um, less than honorable toward that other person. You see that on Facebook all the time, uh, if you're on Facebook. Somebody uh, makes uh, a comment, and then somebody disagrees with it, 
and then it goes back and forth, and other people chime in, and next thing you know, it's not a discussion, but it's an argument, maybe even devolving into personal attacks and unfriending them. However, we must learn to treat each other with honor and respect, beginning with our parents, with honor and respect, even if we disagree with them. So let's uh, dig into this first uh, fastback with uh, a little depth, looking at some specific ways um, which you can disagree with your parents or any authority over you, that's the wider sense of this commandment, uh, that you can disagree with them but still honor them. The first is distinguishing between right and wrong. Uh, my junior high math teacher, going way back, he used to always say, I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> well, he was wrong because we're all wrong at some point about something. We all make mistakes. Even our parents can make mistakes and give us wrong information, even though they may mean well. The point is, our job in that situation is not to fight over it. We can disagree, but do it with honor. This can be particularly challenging for teenagers. I don't know if we have any teenagers in the room. It seems that they get to a certain point in their life where they discover that their parents are wrong about everything. Uh, and uh, all I can say is, uh, to you teenagers, God gives you a simple commandment. Honor your parents even if you believe they're wrong. And of course, all of this, when I say distinguish between right and wrong, it all assumes that we keep at the top of the list God's right and wrong. So whether a parent or any authority uh, directs us to do something that is against God's command, well, that's where we have to respectfully disagree. We see that in the Bible, in Acts chapter 5, um, where the apostles, Peter and the other apostles, were instructed not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they replied simply, we must obey God rather than human beings. The authorities were wrong, but the apostles disagreed respectfully. So that's the first thing. Know where the boundary of right and wrong is, and even if you must disagree, do so with respect. Um, the second is what I'm calling better and best. Parents can, it seems, at times, have an opinion about everything. And it, it, you know, it's, when you're a child, it might be what sport you should play, uh, what instrument you should learn, as you grow, maybe where you should go to college, what you should study. And even as we get older, sometimes our parents have opinions about what part of the country we should live in, what our profession should be, how we should raise our children, on and on it goes. Um, often our disagreements aren't as much about right and wrong, but about better and best. Um, and they don't need to be arguments. When our kids were little, we would give them a choice. Do you want Cheerios or Rice checks? Right? Do you want a hot dog or a hamburger? I may have a very strong opinion about one or the other, but it's ultimately up for them to decide. And I think in a lot of cases, and it goes in both directions, we need to sort of recognize that what we think is best for the other person may not be for them. So without turning it into an argument or a fight, we can discuss our differences without judgment or anger. Oh, if we could learn about this in our political discussions, but I digress. Part of honoring is, is letting the other choose what's best for them, especially when it's out of better and best choices. The third thing about honoring when disagreeing is 
kindness must prevail. Have you noticed that in our society, we're losing our perspective with regard to kindness? Uh, maybe you've seen in, in the, uh, the news stories in recent past of unruly passengers on planes, um, either punching attendants, screaming at little infants, refusing to change seats and trying to jump out the side of the plane, whatever it is, some say that there has been such an increase in this. They say that it, at first they thought it was because of elevated frustrations related to all the COVID restrictions, but even now, following a lot of those restrictions, the rates of these altercations still remain high. It's like everybody's patience has worn thin and kindness is kind of in scarce supply. But I would say all the more important as Christians who are instructed, honor our father and mother you know, and authorities, that this is our chance to, to act with kindness and honor as really as a fruit of the spirit that lives within us. You know the, uh, the saying, a little kindness goes a long way. Um, I think showing kindness to a person who isn't being kind to you actually can have a big impact on them. It can be a big witness. Maybe think back to when you were younger and maybe you weren't at your best. Maybe you were showing all of your immaturity. Maybe you had made wrong choices and you were embarrassed so you were acting out. But that was when a coach or a teacher or a parent or a grandparent or an aunt, an uncle, uh, someone in authority over you, instead of using that as a chance to berate you, they use it as an opportunity to teach you and to encourage you even. Maybe you, were, you weren't at your best, but they spoke words of kindness to you. Doesn't that stick out in your mind? It makes that little kindness goes a long way. It can even have a deep and lasting effect of how you now react toward others following that incident. That's why God commands us to show honor and respect, starting with those who are closest to us and those in authority over us. So let me challenge you to look for opportunities to treat others with honor and respect and to be kind. And maybe you are the one to make the first move and give kindness even though you're not receiving it. Um, you show honor and respect. You refuse to be dragged into unkind action. If you're in any kind of customer service, you probably already know this. All right. So fact one, when it comes to honor, honor doesn't necessarily mean agreeing but learning how to disagree with respect and kindness. And this is as good for you as it is for them, and it's why God commands us. Second fast fact about honor is what we learn while we're honoring our parents is helpful throughout our whole life. Um, God guides us to honor our parents. In fact, it's the first commandment of the second table of the law. Now, if you're thinking of the movie, The Ten Commandments, and there's the two tablets, the, the first and second table of the law aren't to be confused with the physical tablets on which God wrote. Uh, the first table of the law and the second table of the law is how theologians divide the commandments into the first tablet, first table, excuse me, having to do with God, right? The commandments we've seen so far all have to do with God, his identity, his name, his day. Now, just the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The second table of the law has all to do with other people. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. All the commandments now that will follow has to do with how we treat others. First in the table of others, however, are parents. God has situated parents between him 
and us. It's a really, uh, when Rachel was talking to the kids this morning about this special role, this special job that parents have been given, it really is to demonstrate his love and respect to, uh, to teach us his love and his righteousness. And it starts with learning how to honor and respect our parents. Because the truth is, you'll always be under some authority, whether it's the government, teachers, your, your boss, law enforcement. This is why in Martin Luther's explanation to the fourth commandment, he says it this way. Why don't we read this out loud, okay? We should fear and love God that we may not despise nor anger our parents and those in authority, but give them honor, serve, obey, and hold them in love and esteem. And I underlined that part about and those in authority. Um, as we learn, it, it's good for children to learn about honoring authority first at home with their parents. And the fourth commandment fosters this. From a very young age, we learn how to honor authority. Now, uh, I was out looking at a website a while ago, and it was asking people, what are the worst lessons in life that your parents taught you? And I thought maybe I'd get kind of a joke out of that, but usually what people's responses were weren't that their parents taught them bad lessons, but that they were, in fact, painful and hard lessons that were good. Again, Rachel, with the children, right? You don't want to necessarily brush your teeth every day, but your parents teach you that, and it's a good lesson. You, you learn, you know, early to bed, early to rise, pick up after yourself, um, own up to your mistakes, apologize, or my favorite that our parents teach us is life isn't fair, and it's corollary. The world doesn't owe you anything. Um, and I, I think that, you know, really, probably the best lesson that our parents are teaching us as we grow is what I call the meta lesson. It's the lesson behind the lesson, and that is that while our parents are doing the unpopular and difficult thing of teaching us, disciplining us, and holding us accountable, we're actually learning how the world works because we are in a world where there is a structure, a hierarchy, and authority, and God set us up to learn that first at home. It's actually in your best interest for you not to go through life thinking that you are the master of the universe, everything revolves around you, and you are accountable to no one. And a little sad commentary on our society, you've heard of helicopter parents. I think something that sort of is happening in our culture today is that parents aren't necessarily teaching their children that the world doesn't revolve around them. And of course, present company excluded. Uh, but it, it seems as though they're really setting their kids up for failure because the fact is the world doesn't revolve around them. Like it or not, they're going to come under authority and it's better for them to learn now. Otherwise, you're really setting them up for a rude awakening. I heard a comedian just the other day and he said that when he would get in trouble at school, he'd come at home and he'd get in trouble for getting in trouble. <laughs> and so that was a parent that was taking their parental responsibility seriously. So we learn, that's the second fast fact, we learn about life and we learn how to honor our parents. The third fact about um, honor is that it should be reciprocal. It's not just kids that are to honor their parents, but that parents are to be worthy of that honor and the way that they love and uh, treat their children. 
And so we heard that, uh, Carol read that for us this morning from our second reading in Ephesians. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So we're called to show honor in both directions because the truth, but the truth of the matter is that our families are made up of sinful people and it shouldn't surprise us then that at that time, at times that there's a breakdown in that mutual respect. So what I'd like to do on this, this third and, and final point about um, respect being reciprocal is, is dig down into what do we do when that respect breaks down. How, uh, what do we do and how do we act if, let's say, even our parents are caught up in a destructive behavior or when our kids are going down the wrong path? Here are some ways that we can continue to be respectful even when the other person isn't reciprocating love and respect. First is boundaries. If something has gone awry in the relationship, establishing healthy boundaries um, is actually a way to show honor. And we can even do that with our parents. Mom and dad, I love you. You're my parents. But if you're going to talk to me that way or treat me that way, I'm going to need to go home. It is okay to do that. You're still honoring them. Um, but you can sometimes help them. Sometimes your boundary can help the other person. We all have blinders. And sometimes I need you to help me know how I'm hurting you and where I've gotten off base. It's actually a healthy thing, and I think we need to learn that. Uh, it's, you can set boundaries and do it respectfully. The other is don't enable. It's kind of related. Um, but here's the crazy thing about being an enabler. It feels just like love. It, it seems like you're doing things that a loving parent would do. Uh, the reality is uh, the behavior is destructive or toxic, if that's the case, it's not love anymore to enable that unhealthy behavior. Again, it goes both ways. Parents can uh, enable bad behavior in their kids, and kids can enable bad behavior in their parents. And we do this because we want to avoid confrontation. We, want, we, we think we're helping their hurt, but in fact what we're doing is we're just perpetuating an unhealthy uh, aspect of the relationship or an unhealthy aspect of their life, and what's going to happen is that unhealthy behavior is going to grow and ul ultimately make it harder to have a relationship of mutual love and trust, which is what God wants for us in this whole commandment. All right? When you enable, you just further the rift in the relationship. Um, so the way you do this while still showing honor and respect is simply say, we love you, and that's why we can't fill in the blank. Um, ultimately, what it's all about is building trust. If re respect breaks down, uh, we need to do what we can to build that trust back again. Just like you want to deal with disagreements with kindness, you want to deal with past bad behavior, you want to move past it by building trust. Parents, if we want our kids to grow into mature adults, uh, we need to give them the opportunity to learn responsibility. Or said another way, our kids grow into the responsibility um, and the trust that we give them. Because children are ultimately thinking in the back of their mind, if, if my parents trust me enough to do this, maybe I'm trustworthy. And they grow into that. When I was younger, my parents always had some sort of a business, some sort of, um, uh, yeah, you know, a family business. And when I was little, my job started out with just kind of like counting out quarters into little piles of four. And then they would take it from there. And then when I grew, they let me, you know, put the quarters into the actual rolls. And then as I grew and demonstrated that I wasn't stealing quarters, uh, they let me actually count the bills. 
out, and then eventually I was able to work the front desk and be uh, with the customers. And this is something that um, really was teaching me along the way that my parents trusted me. And so for you parents, it may be as simple as letting your kids drive your car or trusting them to go to the beach with their friends or on that opportunity to study abroad. Uh, you get the idea. Ultimately, we honor and respect one another when we tr with the trust that we give. But again, we are sinful human beings. What do we do when even that trust breaks down? How do we build that back? We work hard on forgiveness. I'm willing to believe that everybody here has some uh, sort of a scar or a wound in your life that has come from a person that you love. The people that are close to us have a way of being able to do that. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a child, maybe it was somebody else you trusted. Um, when that happens, we have to work hard at forgiveness and let God's grace do its work. That's why earlier in the book of Ephesians, so before the reading we had today, um, the Apostle Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And I, I know that that sounds easier than it is to do, and uh, you might need help with this, um, which is maybe an opportunity for you to seek out a pastor or a counselor. I know you have uh, wonderful uh, of each at this congregation. Um, but it's worth the effort because when we forgive, it ultimately sets us free. We need to show uh, that honor even when it's difficult by forgiving and we let God's grace prevail. So all the things that we've talked about today, uh, this, uh, whether it's forgiveness or trust or stopping enabling or setting healthy boundaries, it's all an opportunity to restore uh, honor when it is broken down. I, you may recall in the beginning that I talked about the Hebrew word that is behind this commandment, this Hebrew word for heavy, kaved. Uh, what's interesting is that there's a very similar variant in the word in, in Hebrew that is kavod. Uh, it's built on the same consonants. And um, what, what we can take that to mean is when we honor someone, we're giving them or bringing glory to them. Now, again, in our world, there's no perfect examples of this. There's no perfect examples of receiving glory. As a matter of fact, you and I can find plenty of examples where terrible things have happened because a person sought to glorify themselves. But there was one, there is one perfect example of giving and receiving glory, and that's what we see in the Godhead. Uh, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there was a glory and a respect and honor and a love that existed before the creation of the world. And then even we see Jesus when um, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I honor my Father. I'm not seeking glory for myself. You can see the two words uh, right there next to each other. Uh, Jesus wants to honor his Father. So by the way, we're never commanded to do anything that God himself doesn't show us the way and do first. Jesus wants to give the glory and honor to his Father, not for himself. But then we see later in John's Gospel, as Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, that God had in mind, actually, as Jesus was honoring him, to honor Jesus. Uh, he's praying, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. 
And the mutual love, honor, and respect of the Father and the Son, it started before the world, it extended through the incarnation, even through the suffering and death of um, God's one and only Son, and now it extends to you and me through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize, friends, that you too are loved by God? You too are given an honor and a glory that we have as children of God? That this is something, he's adopted us into his family uh, through the waters of baptism. This gives us an honor and a glory that these commandments are just helping us to live out. And he also wants you uh, to know not only that you're loved and treasured, but then he, he puts you into a family on this earth. I love the graphic that Pastor Matt made up for this series of the hands and the, the paper cutouts. You know, God loving us through these commandments, but he's also put us in a community where we, we love each other through how we, re, how we carry out these commandments. We are in a family that, as I've said before, is to be like heaven on earth. And so we learn about this first from our parents, then with those in authority over us, and then ultimately God wants us to honor and respect everyone and love. Isn't that really what's behind all these commandments, what we've been talking about week after week? God wants us to love and honor our parents so that ultimately we will love and honor one another. The Apostle Paul says it straightforward. Be devoted to one another and brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So the fourth commandment, really any of the commandments, we don't want to just look at them in their narrow sense, right? Idols aren't just about metal and wood objects. The Sabbath isn't just about coming to church on Sunday, and the fourth commandment isn't just about Mother's Day and Father's Day. It's really all the commandments are just a starting point for something greater that can only be fulfilled in love. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the privilege of gathering in your name. And we ask, Father, that we wouldn't just heed this fourth commandment because it's your command but that we would heed it because through it, you enrich our lives and you bless our earthly relationships with honor and love. The love, Father, that you and the Son and the Holy Spirit have had from all eternity. May it be so among us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.